Welcome to the Hotsy Totsy podcast. Hotsy Totsy is a membership club for women from all walks of life who like the finer things in life to come together and enjoy bespoke events in the magical nooks and crannies of London town, all with an Art Deco nod. This podcast will introduce you to some amazing and like-minded characters who love the golden 20s and 30s era and Art Deco movement as much as we do, as well as profile our wonderful Hotsy Totsy members. For this episode, I'm so excited to be joined by Michael Chambers, the founder of The Garden Cinema, a new independent art cinema in Covent Garden that opened back in March and has been backed by such icons as Ken Loach and Mike Lee and plays films of all genres which have an impact after seeing them. The Garden Cinema is also the venue for a very special Hotsy Totsy in October, which will be announced soon. Alongside this, we are joined by the inspiring Hotsy Totsy Stacey Keogh. Stacey is a communications expert and founder of Brandlective, which helps businesses design and implement exceptional digital marketing campaigns. We chat to Stacey all about the ever-evolving digital marketing world, the incredible supportive women in her network, and the magic that happens when women support other women. So I am so excited to be joined by Michael Chambers this morning, who is the founder and the creative mind behind The Garden Cinema, which is a new art cinema, well, newish, I suppose, opened in March. We are doing an event there, I'm very excited to say, in October, and it just looks incredible. I'm yet to visit. Well, I was just saying to Michael, I did visit, and it was closed, so it looked a bit awkward banging on the door outside, but it looks amazing. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about the cinema, what it is, um, what it does, uh, and why you started it in the first place? Okay. Well, it's... um... It's, it's what they call a repertory uh, cinema. In other words, we do show new releases, but um, alongside that, we like to have our seasons of uh, films that we choose for whatever the season happens to be, like I think a French uh, um, film noir at the moment, and uh, then we're having um, a wonderful season in uh, October. When you're here, we'll have the season with uh, Mike Lee, who's... 14 of his films we're showing and he's going to speak he's going to be on the platform after every screening and he'll talk about the films and he'll answer questions he'll probably spend an hour to an hour and a half after each screening no it's wonderful he's a great supporter of the cinema so that'll be a tremendous season oh my goodness we you know what when i I was looking at the website and and as a northerner mike lee has got a place in in our hearts hasn't he and he's he's a he's a living legend let's be honest and i mean won't that be incredible and to hear it from the horse's mouth after each film i mean that's just too special isn't it it's incredible it'll be mike lee and a friend of his who who is a composer who called mike called uh, gary yershon who um composes the soundtracks for his the music for his films oh goodness so imagine the insights and what they're going to tell us yeah it'll be a good discussion oh too much i've got goosebumps um so michael why did you start it have you always obviously been into film is is it a huge love Uh, and what made you think you know what i'm gonna open a cinema my family my father was a film director my two sons make films the oldest one makes lots of television factual, you know, documentary films for television. I should have gone into it myself when I was young, but I 
I went to the bar instead and became a lawyer, which was probably a mistake. Anyway, um, and, that, and then I started a book publishing business. Um, and now at the advanced age of 80, I, uh, I've got the opportunity now to do a bit in films and maybe even produce a few. But it, this thing started because we, we acquired this office here in Covent Garden about 10 years ago. And the office we left had an art gallery, a lovely art gallery on, on the street level facing the pavement. And I thought it'd be nice to start an art gallery in this building. But it wasn't possible to have it on the pavement, on that level, ground floor. The only place for it really was in the basement. So I went down and I, it was big enough, big enough, but it was very dark. And I thought, well, <laughs> an art gallery in the dark isn't <laughs> ideal really. <laughs> so, New. <laughs> so instead of um, an art gallery with, uh, you know, static pictures, I thought we'd have moving pictures and open a, open a cinema. That's a step back into, fil into film, you know. As a, and that's what we did, and it's converted very well. We've got two screens, um, and on the ground floor, we're now put planning application into the Camden Council to open a third screen. And so it'll be a third, a three-screen cinema. It'll still be a, a, a it's an art, cin art house cinema, really, niche, niche repertory uh, cinema. And the screen, these, the, they're not large. One auditorium's got 80 seats, the other's got 40, and the new one will have 80. So altogether we'll have about 200. But in terms of cinemas, that's not big. But it'll serve its purpose as a, a niche Art House Cinema in Covent Garden, so... Oh, it's incredible. And do you think, I mean, I, I mean, I, I can speak from a consumer, that there's this, there is a need and a desire for this, almost, this intimacy around film. You know, uh, you know, the multiplexes, you know, they're a bit scary, if I'm honest, I feel anyway, and they sort of lose that, that touch, don't you, with the film, because it's such a personal experience. And do you feel there is a, a rise of, of the need for this sort of um, thing where people want to come and and you know immerse themselves really oh i don't know i mean i'm new to it myself here i've just opened it <laughs> i know that the cinema we've created here it's got a lovely space for an art deco uh, bar this large area that we converted to a bar which wouldn't have done for a screen and it's wonderful so i had a great time and that's very friendly it's a very friendly instrument it's got lots of booths in it and uh, when you come you'll like it you must come to visit us and uh, come and see the inside yeah i know if you go onto the garden cinema's website anybody who's listening um there's a brilliant video isn't there that you can watch and you sort of get taken through to the bar so you can see the bar on the website yeah. right yeah it's, yeah it's incredible and with hotsy totsy we're very much art deco 1920s era so it is completely our vibe so we cannot wait to come and visit very very excited so um how do you begin to pick the films that you're going to show it must be overwhelming i imagine because you can delve into the archives uh, um from so many years and so you know um where do you begin well the, the the new releases of course come and grab you themselves you don't have much choice and and a lot of them of course are rather disappointing I find anyway, and but we selected the new releases, those we think are good films and suit the cinema. And as you say, with seasons, looking at the, and it's not just Hollywood or British films, we look at the whole world of cinema, French, German, 
Russian, um, a Spanish, Scandinavian, South American, um, Chinese. I mean, the whole world of film. It's just, an, as you say, an extraordinary resource that uh, you could spend your life looking through these films. But it starts with an idea. You have an idea. What should we um, should we do? Should we do a season about Art Deco, for instance? Shall we do an Art Deco season, um, exploring exploring the whole subject of Art Deco and seeing what sort of films? I mean, you haven't really got Art Deco films, although you've got you've got the um, the silent era where um, you have, especially among the German expressionists, you have a sort of art deco flavor to the films you could use some of those you could you could have some documentaries that have no doubt been made on, on subjects and and tra a few travelogues maybe that visit um the art deco centers of the world miami australia other countries where they've and 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 all the all, all the art deco cinemas in in england so beautiful aren't they the the architecture and i find it fascinating that era as well because it was when a lot of movie stars transferred from silent films, didn't they, to talking films. In the late, in 29, yeah. Yeah, in the late 20s. And I just think, you know, these, it was mainly women a lot, wasn't it, that they were just seen as these, you know, femme fatale, beautiful icons. And then suddenly they had a voice. And it was it was just this mad transition for the audience, wasn't it? And I imagine them as well. And it was such a special time in cinema, wasn't it? It was, you know, a sensory overload, I imagine. Well, it was the transition to talkies. Uh, as you say, they, suddenly cinema became mass popular. And the demand for new cinemas absolutely mushroomed. And so in the early 30s, well, through the, throughout the 30s, really, they went to town building new cinemas and giant cinemas. I mean, the cinema in Kilburn, for instance, the uh, Art Deco cinema there. Huge. Huge. And so you get these wonderful Art Deco cinemas, which um, they turned into bingo halls, lots of them, but uh, they're still standing. They are. There's one in Tooting that's um, a bingo hall, and it's the most gorgeous building in the world. And you're like, okay, get my dabber out. <laughs> Well, bingo will come and go, but I'm sure that one day the cinemas will be perhaps found a really good entertainment use again. Definitely, be nice. absolutely. We're in we're in Walthamstone. We've got this incredible Art Deco old theatre, and Soho Theatre have acquired it and are now, you know, which is wonderful. You know, to have live theatre and film back, which is incredible. So it does seem to be coming a bit full circle that people are very much falling back in love with film and very much wanting to discover old films and old classics. Um, and I imagine. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I think they are definitely, but it's it's so brilliant. I mean, you had like I was looking on your website. You've got like the Long Good Friday on and things like that, which is you know for someone like me that that loves that film, but I would never have dreamed I could see it on a screen. You know, it's so special, isn't it? Well, it's different on the screen. However big your screen at home, it's not the same as being in front of this huge screen with other people watching it and the sound, decent sound. Yes, it's an experience that. Uh, it's worth preserving. Oh, goodness. It's so brilliant. And I mean, what a welcome addition. And so, you know, you mentioned Mike Lee before, and I was reading that you had the backing of Ken Loach as well. Is that right? Oh, yes. The two of them, they were extremely helpful initially with our planning yeah. permission. Yeah. And how did that come about? Did you did you have a relationship with them or did you just approach them and say, listen, this is what I'm thinking. Would you back it? 
You know, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> but they heard about it and we're all for I, it. I think either we, yes, one way or the other, I don't know quite which way it went, <laughs> but uh, they came and when I told them what we were doing, they were very keen. They liked the idea. Mike Lee lives just around the corner. Oh, so that's helpful. Near the British Museum. And so this is his local cinema. Amazing. Yes, so he, he comes here quite often. I don't think I could really concentrate on the film if Mike Lee was sat next to me, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> Well, the thing about cinema is, is you're in the dark, you don't know. And a big screen in front of you, um, you get lost in the film. Absolutely. And that's a sign of a good film, isn't it? It doesn't matter, Mike Lee. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Watching this. Incredible. So, I mean, they're just, you know, stalwarts of the industry, aren't they? You know, they are living legends, let's be honest. In their British, British film. Oh, yeah, my goodness. So, they're giants in our Absolutely. Own We're so lucky yeah. to still have them. Um, and isn't it wonderful that they decided, you know, to, to go out their way and, and back this and, and to sort of, you know, cement it? It is. It's, it's helped enormously. Oh, yeah. fabulous. So, Michael, I know obviously it's only been open a few months, hasn't it? So what's your dreams and aspirations for it, just to keep doing what you're doing? Or will there be ever a Garden Cinema 2? The sequel. <laughs> I'm really. I, I want to make a success of this cinema. Put a lot into it, and um, a garden cinema too. Well, I mean, I that, that's in the future. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hazard a guess there. I can't <laughs> say. But my my desire is now to learn to do what my father did and make films myself. Oh my goodness! How incredible! So yeah, but at my age, it'll be difficult. But I might be able to produce some. Yeah. Have you got any ideas of what you would like to do? Or is it already written? Or I've written a couple of scripts already. <gasps> Amazing. <laughs> That's so incredible. Which people encourage me to film. They say they're good. Well, get Mike and Ken on it. It'd be fine. Ah, well, <laughs> yes. They won't mind. <laughs> yeah, the Oscars. <laughs> he might give me some advice on exactly. it. Exactly. Um, he's got his own projects. Yeah. Might be quite busy. Exactly. That's incredible. And all the luck with it, you know, do I'd, you know, we'd love to follow that and, and see that through. And isn't it I mean, you were saying that obviously you went you'd you know, worked in the legal profession for a long time, but you you've found your passion, you've reignited it again. Isn't it wonderful? Well, it's wonderful to I published books for about thirty starting nineteen sixty nine, so that's 50 years. So I published books for 50 years, non-fiction, and then I sold it about four years ago and, and built the cinema. Amazing. I have to tell you that running a cinema is so much more enjoyable than really? publishing books. Ah, absolutely. Oh, it's wonderful. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it sounds like the best job in the world. I mean, you know, a Monday morning sitting there thinking about what season we're going to have. I mean, it doesn't get much better, does it? Yeah. So you'd like a season on Art Deco? Would yes, you? please. Yes, please. <laughs> and I'd like, you know, the glorious Swanson era and, you know, the Clara Bow and okay. all that, you know, the, the femme fatales of that. Yeah. Because, you know, at that time, women, I mean, we sort of, we all think of the flappers and all that, don't we? But these women were really gritty, weren't they? They were really going against the status quo of what they're meant to be. And it's almost like it, we were talking about this something else, and it, it was almost like a roller coaster. Because then in the 30s and the 40s, they almost got put back in their box, didn't they? You know, to go be a housewife because the war was happening. And, you know, it was it was interesting, the rising of this independence, I suppose. Well, there's always a reaction after a big war. It's the same after the First World War. They, there was a, a crackdown. The right wing comes back into power and they crack down on all the progressive things that war seems to throw up and they want to crack down on it so you had it the same in 1918 to sort of early 20s mm. 
which is why they went so mad, isn't it, when they had the chance? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's, it's fascinating. So, yes, anything along those lines, Michael, will be fantastic. And we'll be there at every screening. Okay. You'll be like, God, can you, lo- can you leave, please? Well, I'll, I'll meet you all in, in, in October then. Or September, you will? Yeah. October the um, 5th, we're doing a collaboration with Small Business Britain, which is going to be this incredible thing with all female business owners. So, And we're going to play a film um, inspired by a female you know, entrepreneur or something along those lines. So we're toying with Joy with Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, so yeah, we need any ideas, let us know. But yeah, we are just something that, you know, a bit kick-ass. Okay. Without being Wonder Woman. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Okay, that's yeah. good. <laughs> Realistic kick-ass. <laughs> and you can help me with this selection of films about... Absolutely. Okay. Don't joke, Mike. I'll be there with like um, a plan <laughs> and a spreadsheet okay. ready. <laughs> Incredible. And thank you, honestly. It's so brilliant. We'll, we'll share the link in all the ways to get hold of you in the podcast episode but honestly come along i am so excited to go to the cinema very soon and just immerse it and it's such a welcome welcome addition to london honestly we're so lucky to have it brilliant and thank you so much for joining us yes it will be look forward to listening to this uh, podcast yeah definitely thank you so much for joining me and huge congratulations take care karen many thanks oh pleasure Hello. So I am really, really excited to be joined by one of our gorgeous Hotsy Totsiers, Stacey Keogh, who is an all-round amazing lady and is a communications expert and runs her own company, Brand Elective Communications, does so much for charity and is an all-round good egg. Hiya. Lovely to see you. Oh, hi, Karen. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'd love to have you. So we are recording this on a little bit of a, I don't know, is it cold where you are? It's gone a bit like... It's Bleak. not cold, but it's overcast for the first time in about two months, which is actually, I'm okay with it. Do you know what? Safe space here. So am I. I was actually really happy when it did that big rain last week. Were you? <laughs> well, we didn't have any water supply for a couple of days. So I was very excited about that. Get the buckets, buckets out. out the yeah. <laughs> oh no. It's all glamour. It is all glamour. Mm, it really is. So Stacey, tell us a bit about yourself and tell us about your wonderful business and what you do. Sure. So um, my name's Stacey. I'm originally from New Zealand, as you may hear from my accent, which has become a little muddled um, because I have lived here in London now for about 16 years, which blows my mind. Um, And around a little over 10 years ago, I did start my own business, a digital marketing agency called Brandlective, where we help small businesses to rise above the noise and get the visibility that I think they deserve. Um, so yeah, everything from content to social to websites, um, SEO, anything digital you can imagine, we probably do. And you're brilliant, brilliant at it. Um, how has that sort of arena like changed then? Because obviously the digital world is evolving all the time, isn't it? Is it harder for businesses to get noticed these days or is it just a different, you know, vehicle, different way of doing it? Well, I think in some degrees, it's easier for smaller businesses. You probably know this too. So, you know, if we think back to sort of pre-internet days, uh, in order to gain attention, we would have had to advertise on a billboard or a TV advert or run a radio advert, really expensive types of advertising, basically. So I think there's a lot more opportunity now for a smaller business because there's a lot of marketing activities that we can do that are almost free. So whether it's social media, whether it's your own content, Um, distributing things online, um, digital networking. So I think there's a lot more opportunity like that for smaller businesses. 
Um, but I understand what you mean in terms of, you know, there's a lot of competition too, right? Like everybody's everywhere online. So how do you stand out? So I guess that's always the challenge, but small businesses are pretty creative. You know, we have to be, don't we? Absolutely. And it's nice that we have the autonomy to make that change, don't we? We can decide we're going to do something on a Monday and it can be done on a Tuesday. Whereas, you know, we've worked in big brands before and you have to have 500 meetings about this one thing and you've missed the boat, haven't you? Five years of planning. Yeah. Like, that trend has sailed, my friend. Yeah, that was four years ago. Exactly. So small businesses are in a very unique position, actually, aren't they, where they can really capitalise on trends and, and just test stuff as well. Because as you say, it's low low cost a lot of the time, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. And I think, you know, the reason I got into supporting a lot of smaller businesses was I was just witnessing that people were really scared of digital and think it's really complicated and think you have to be technical And I don't think that's true. I'm not necessarily a very technical person. My background actually before I started my business was in direct sales. So I used to sell face-to-face. I was not using the computer or anything like that. Um, But I realized that you needed really high quality leads in order to convert sales, right? So that's kind of what led me into digital marketing. So, you know, I learned it. I'm self-taught. You know, I haven't gone through any traditional training. So I'm really just responding to what works. Um, and I think other small businesses need to think that way and need to, you know, that's the sort of marketing campaigns they need to be rolling out, which tends to attract them to us. Yeah. And, and I do agree. There is this, the, put the word digital in anything. People do get a bit frightened, don't they? Whereas actually... Yeah. Even now, right? Twenty Even now. They still get scared. And yeah. it's like, you know, this, the uploading a, a picture on Instagram, that's digital marketing, right? You know, it's it, it can be done at so many different levels, but... Um, small businesses, I think, though, in their very big favour, are very brave and very up for it, and they will will want to do want to learn and do want to try. Um, and you see some incredible things, don't you? You know, when when the pandemic hit, especially, some small businesses were just rocking it. They were like, you know, taking people on their their sort of. I hate this word. I use it. Um, journey with them. But yes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean. They were taking. I hate the word through. too, and I use it all the time. I do, and I'm like, what's another? We, right, that's our mission today. We need to find another word for them. <laughs> but you know, yeah. they were sort of taking them behind the scenes with them, weren't they? To say, you know, this is what's happening. Things are pretty, pretty bleak. However, this is what you know. And these customers were sort of on this roller coaster, and that's where loyalty's gained, isn't it? And and, totally, and retained. Yeah. Well, also, if you remember back to, was it a BBC journalist who had the, his child come into the back of the room and his wife's dragging her out of the room and it was just like a bit chaotic. And I think that's what lockdown was for a lot of people, a lot of businesses. And I think actually it's helped to humanize things even further. So where people were getting really caught up in digital and everything had to be super polished and perfect and we had to be spending a lot of money on all our video content that's just gone out the door now. And any business, no matter what size they are, can really just be creating anything that's real. People just want to see that reality of what's happening behind a business. And it's made it more human. And I think that's a good thing. I totally agree. And it's, you know, the demise of influencer marketing, I'm massively welcoming it, to be honest to you. The fact yeah. that people are getting thrown a thousand, thousand pounds to put a pair of jeans on for 10 minutes. It's not authentic, is it? And And that means that small businesses are on a level playing field, right? Because they're doing authentic, real stuff, as are the big guys. Um, and that's what people want to hear. And are you, are you embracing this sort of trend and, and this need? Is it brilliant as a digital marketer to be able to service that? Totally. I think we're just encouraging clients to just be a little bit bolder, be a bit braver. Like, let's not care anymore what 
other people think or what your friends and family are going to think. Actually, you don't, who cares? They're going to support you either way. It's more about what are you doing to actually attract your customers, you know, and, and being a human and being real and behind the scenes. And it's not about, I think sometimes the other, it goes the other way where people get concerned that they look too small, you know, that they're trying to portray this image that they're a bigger business than they really are. And I'm like, I don't think people care anymore. Actually, there's this trend towards wanting to support, support smaller businesses. Um, and we expect that no matter what size the business is, that we actually see the founder behind the scenes. We want to know who that person is. We want to know how authentic they are. Um, do we trust them? You know, is that a brand we want to get behind? What do they stand for? What's their purpose? Like as consumers, we have a lot of demands now of businesses. So I think there's an expectation to share a lot more real content. I totally agree. And if if you follow a brand that you don't arguably see the founder, that's when the the questions arise, isn't it? It's like, well, who are these people? And and that's where the lack of trust comes from, isn't it? So yeah, it is that being real. But how, in your experience, then with with small business owners, how much are they willing to to show? You know, and how much should they show? You know, because obviously we've all got the the people on social that share maybe a bit too much, um, <laughs> you know, um, but where do you think, do you think there is a line or do you think it's very much business dependent? I mean, I think it is business dependent. You know, it's all about your own comfort zone, isn't it? You don't want to do anything that doesn't make, that makes you uncomfortable. I just think that's silly, but, um, and equally, you don't want to share so much that it's just off-putting or makes no sense for your business. So I think, yeah, I haven't, I don't know that I've completely figured out that line. I think there's certain things even for us that, you know, I, I guess I have separate accounts for my agency and then also for myself. And I tend to share a little bit more on my personal account than I would, for example, my agency account. Um, so it's just a personal, it's a personal journey, Karen. It's a personal journey. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by the word journey, everybody. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And how, so as digital marketers yourself, you have to be constantly learning, don't you? And evolving and seeing what's the the trend. Are you in like mad TikTok world then at the moment? Uh, Are you well, like Miss TikTok? I'm a, lot of, I'm a consumer of TikTok. Absolutely. I have to say, I haven't ventured into a lot of creation myself, um, but I think we'll no doubt have to be there. It's become the biggest search engine in the world. So we release um, a disruptor, a marketing disruptor blog every month where we cover like the latest trends and sort of what's happening you know, across different digital avenues. And just TikTok shows up all the time and it's the biggest search engine now. It's overtaken. YouTube used to be the second biggest, you know, it's overtaken all of that. So as much as it's annoying to have to want to jump on these and not want to embrace every single new thing that comes out, I think it's sort of one of those that unfortunately we can't really ignore if we plan to market to a demographic that's, you know, under 35. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sadly, you know, well, a lot of people are, aren't they, you know, and, and I think we all have that uh, preconception that TikTok is for the youth youth, but actually it's not, is it? It's for it's your prime yeah. audience who are spending money, who are needing your services. Yeah. And I think unfortunately with all the changes on Instagram, we're finding a lot of people moving across, you know, I think t t Instagram is trying to become TikTok. It feels, that's how it feels with regards to where the algorithm's working now and the type of content you, you're able to see. And because TikTok has some bigger opportunities, I guess, in terms of how you can create content, I think a lot of people are just gravitating that way. So it's before we know it, you know, I mean, Instagram a while back, right? We used to think that was super young and now our parents are on it exactly. and you know, grandparents are on yeah. it. So before we know it, we're, we are unfortunately all going to be across on TikTok, I think. So. And there'll be something else going on that we don't even know about yet that all the youth yeah, are exactly right. there, let's be honest. Yeah. So it must be quite exciting being in that world then that you, you're constantly having to to learn and, and, and see where people are going and what the trends are. It's fascinating, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. It is really interesting. Yeah, there's always new things popping up. And I think you sort of have to, you, you do have to expose yourself. Like, obviously, we're always trying to keep up to date with things so that if clients are requesting things, we're aware and we can share best practice, etc. But I think it's also important to give have a little balance. You know, you don't want to jump on every single new thing that happens. I think, you know, register, maybe grab a handle if there's a new social um, platform that pops up, but you don't necessarily have to start content immediately. I think it's just because some of these things pop up and disappear within a couple of months and there's just, you know, no point. So, um, you know, I think it's one of those things that you do want to be on top of it. Yes, it's exciting and embrace it. Like if there's something that really stands out to you, go for it, you know, especially I think for smaller businesses, because, you know, I think, or even, you know, I know we've obviously got a massive community of women led businesses. And I think we have a lot on our plates as women. So I think, you know, you want to pick and choose, I guess, where you're putting your attention. Um, stick to your primary platforms that you love if they're working for you if they're not working for you then tend to explore something fresh and new that's coming on the market totally agree and I think as small business owners we tend to go on everything and then we can't manage it and then we get overwhelmed yeah. whereas you know and we don't do it well and then it just totally and then, so just stick yeah. to your lane for a little bit and just invest in that and it, it, you'll, you'll reap the benefits so obviously I'd love to talk digital marketing but I'd like to talk about you a little bit so you've been in London for ages why do you love London and what do you miss from home the most? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I mean, I question this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I would at the moment. The world's uh, on fire. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I think um, I love London because it's really fast paced. There's a lot going on. You know, I run a business here. I have property here. My partner's from London. Like, There's a lot of reasons that draw me to London, obviously, at this point. Um but I do miss a lot from home. I won't lie. Um, every time I, I, I'm really lucky that I do get to go home every year and I usually spend at least a month, um, every year back home, which, um, is really lovely. And I just miss the, um, I guess the freedom. That sounds like a strange thing to say, cause it's not like we don't have that here in London, but I suppose it's the, the space and the, you know, I can drive to a beach in 10 minutes in any direction and, you know, everything feels a lot more, I guess it is slower paced. Um, yeah, it's, it's an, I, don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's not that it's not progressive. New Zealand is quite a progressive country, but um, it does feel like everybody really values their, you know, friendships and family. And there's a lot of time spent with people that you love and that you enjoy. And I think that piece of it, obviously I miss out on not having all of that here in London. So that would be the biggest challenge I would say, but London's so amazing for so many reasons, you know, like any night of the week, you could go and do whatever you wanted. There's amazing markets and festivals and, you know, there's just brilliant things that you can do. Um, amazing events organized by Hot Tea oh, for example, you know. <laughs> I do agree. I do. I mean, London is incredible. It's like totally my favorite city in the world and it's just filled with these nooks and crannies and, and magic around every corner I think however it can get exhausting and you do need to sort of take yourself away and I've been lucky to spend a bit of time in New Zealand and it's just that gorgeous your shoulders almost drop don't they when you get there and it's that sort of as you say just people take the time a little bit more whereas I think we're so frantic aren't we sometimes everything's rushed or we're having to be somewhere else or we're having to do something else that it, we don't maybe stop and smell the what's the phrase smell the roses a little yeah. as much as we should sometimes do exactly. we but yeah and I want to talk about women because obviously Hotsy Totsy is all about incredible women and thank you for being such a lovely member of Hotsy Totsy and coming to the events and being so phenomenal um 
And obviously Hotsotsi was was inspired by the women of the 20s, the fact that these women did not care. They were doing what they wanted to do. They were finding their identity. They were walking their own walk, which I massively admire. And, you know, they're still so relevant to this day. Um, We know some incredible women, don't we? And we, you know, we were inspired on a daily basis. Are there people in your life that, you know, you call on or is it people like in the in you know who are famous that you sort of look up to and go crikey they're a bit kick-ass aren't they <laughs> well yeah I think it, you know for most of us it probably is women around us isn't it I think you know I'm, I'm mostly inspired by the women that are in my life really um I mean the first person that came to mind was is my best friend who actually I brought along to one of the Hotsi Totsi events a little while ago um and actually she started out as my boss <laughs> so um before I started my business uh she was my boss and I worked I say for her she would say with her um and that kind of you know, tells you everything you need to know about her. It was very sort of collaborative. Um, I really did feel like I was building a business with her. Um, And I was really fortunate that when I kind of came up with the idea that I wanted to leave and start the business that I have now, that she actually encouraged me to do that. Um, She actually introduced me to some competitors of hers to be some of my first clients, which is just it blows my mind. I just think it's absolutely crazy that someone would, you know, you take an employee and potentially build them up to be able to start their business. Um, and allowed me to build a business on the side while I was working full time and then eventually leave and start the business and completely supported that, which I just, even now, you know, almost 11 years later, blows my mind that she was able to do that. You know, over the years, she's become a really close friend and now she's one of my best friends and now I'm the godmother of her children. And, you know, it's become one of those relationships that's just really um, special to me, for sure. Um, and I think, you know, she's such a big person to have wanted to support me in that way. Um I don't know that I'm that self selfless, you know. I'm not sure. That <laughs> when it came to it, to business, I'd be that right behind them. No, I'd like to think that I would be, but I just think it's a really important. Um, I think she's a really important person in my life, to, and she's taught me a lot of lessons around raising up other women and supporting them and collaborating with them. Um, and I think I may have shared with you, sort of outside of um, you know, separate conversation around a trip that I actually did a few years ago um, as part of our social impact. Um, I travelled to Kenya. And I got to meet some of the women that we give business loans to in order to help them start their businesses. And I was there for three weeks and we had these amazing sessions with all of these Kenyan women. And what's wonderful about um, the situation um, charity that does this work is that these women work in co-ops. So they work collaborative with each other. So for example, there might be six women that all own businesses, um, but every week they meet up and they discuss their businesses and discuss their challenges and share, et cetera, et cetera. So if you've had a challenging week in your business this week, Karen, I would say, oh, you know, here, Karen, here's $100. Like you borrow this and give it back to me next week. Or if I've said, oh, this has gone wrong for me, then next week you would help me with something. And they were just sharing these stories and story and story and story repeatedly. You know, all these examples of these amazing moments where they've supported each other and helped each other. And I just came back from that trip thinking, oh, my gosh, like we are doing this so wrong. Like I am doing my business so wrong. Like why am I not being more collaborative? Um, And that's kind of what led me to seeking out a lot more, I guess, women partnerships within my business, you know, networking a lot more with women because, you know, it is very much about if we actually work together, we collaborate more, we can achieve so much more together. You know, I just think it's really important. 
it's amazing what you do and, and you know for people listening please do check out Stacey's work and give her a follow on social because it is so it's such an eye-opener like you were saying isn't it the way these women are and their and their values and the way they do support and it is so special like when you see these women in that world who are supporting each other who are raising each other up incredible incredible things happen and it's actually I think it's a lot more the norm these days as well that women are like that. I think it's a bit of an anomaly when you're when women aren't. And I think we all exit stage left if we encounter a woman who isn't, don't we? <laughs> you absolutely. Know? Yeah. You know, absolutely. It's like red I'm, flag. I'm, we're very lucky, I think, now to have you know, to have those sorts of women around us. So yeah, I don't I don't know that I've maybe I just don't mix in those circles anymore. I don't feel like I ever come across them, but that's probably a good thing. <laughs> exactly. But I'm saying I mean very rarely I'll come across somebody who I think, crikey, you are so not aligned with what we're about. Uh so that's a good thing, as we say. But your best friend sounds like an absolute legend and very secure in her own skin to be able to do that and give you that leg up. What a what a cool woman she must be. What's her name? Sarah Beth. Sarah Beth Cody. So she attended um one of our well, I bought it a hot to dot one time, so she'll be along hopefully to some future events too. Oh fabulous. She's just exactly the person that you kind of want you know, she's really supportive of other women, which is great. Yeah. And you know what? She'll be successful because of that. So it's a it's a bit of a no brainer, isn't it? Anyway, we could talk all day. I love chatting to you, Stacey. Um, but we've got jobs to do, haven't we? We've got to go. Oh, <laughs> <you do. laughs> but thank you so so much for joining me. How can people find you? How can people get involved? Um, probably on socials is the best uh, platform. So on LinkedIn, I'm Stacey Keogh. And then on across all other social platforms, I'm Stacey Keogh UK. Phenomenal. Thank you, my darling, for joining me. And I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you for having me, Karen. Thank you so much for listening to the Hotsy Totsy podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Hotsy Totsy is a female-only membership club for women who are walking their own walk and are spirited, fun and fabulous to come together and enjoy a range of bespoke and exclusive events. Please do give us a follow on Instagram at hotsy underscore totsyers and find out more on the Hotsy Totsy website, which is hotsy-totsy.co.uk. Thank you.